0: The Sports Career Podcast, episode 273. The do's and don'ts when starting a career in sports law. Sports Achiever, and thank you for listening to another episode of the Sports Career Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to provide you a podcast special guest who's an expert in a particular sector in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in sports law. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your sports career development, interests, and needs. Now, getting back to today's podcast special guest is Jesse Engelhart. Jessie is an international sports lawyer with experience working with FC Barcelona and UEFA. Currently, she's the founding partner of Sensato Sports Law. For that reason, it's such a pleasure to have Jessie as a podcast special guest on the show. And that's when today's episode, Jessie will share her sports career, legal journey, and explain to you the do's and don'ts when starting a career in sports law. Jessie, it's such a joy to have you on the podcast show. Please you share to listeners your sports career journey. When did it all start?
1: Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, I've been wanting to be on the, on the show for a while now. As you can, as you know, I reached out to you back in the day, and then we had to reschedule yesterday and stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm very happy to be here. So yeah, so how did everything start? Basically, for the audience, like I'm 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 a, I'm a Dutch sports lawyer. I'm from Holland, but I now live in Barcelona, Spain. Graduated from Tilburg University back in I think it's 2016 now. And after that, I continued uh, my legal education in in Brazil, in Madrid, um, and then in Barcelona. So, yeah, I basically I studied law not so much because I was super passionate about it, just because I kind of wanted to. I didn't know what what to do basically, and I just wanted to um, study something like that I knew was gonna provide me with like a solid background and foundation during law school. Actually was very lucky because I think for a lot of people it happens the, up, up the other way around they go into law school thinking it's going to be awesome and then they actually end up not liking it but I actually ended up really liking it and thinking that it actually fit my personality very well because um, I'm very like organized uh, quite disciplined I, I like order I like analyzing so for me it actually was was great um, I really enjoyed law school which is very weird and it sounds so like nerdish but I, I actually did, did like it the only thing is that there was nothing specifically that I, like no specific subject or topic that i really liked like i wasn't that much into criminal law or or civil law or whatever um so it wasn't until after law school that i took a gap year and that i you know traveled around and met a lot of people that i actually really um started to explore like okay what is it that i could do with law and i would always had a passion for sports like my family is all about sports um i personally have never played football but um, you know, I've, I've done different sports, tennis, basketball, I've danced um, my whole life. So I've always had a passion for sports. And then at some point I was like, wait, but why can't I combine those somehow? So I did some research and I ended up doing a master's in um, sports management and law. And that's kind of where everything started. After that, I um, also did the Spanish bar exam to become a qualified lawyer in Spain. Then I did an internship at FC Barcelona. Um, I, worked for, I worked there for a year and a half after that. Then I moved to Switzerland. Uh, Now I have my own law firm. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit later on, but that's kind of how everything started. Um, It was quite organic, I would say. Like, it's not like, oh, from like when I was five years old, I was like, I want to be a sports lawyer. I didn't even know such a thing existed, um, which I think is the case for a lot of people, or they don't even know what a sports lawyer actually does. Neither did I. Um, But yeah, that's kind of how it started.
0: Wow, what a great answer. I've got to go back in time just a little bit. You said (laughs) you enjoyed. Like going to law school. And really quickly, when I was at Durham University, my first roommate next to me, she was studying law, and the textbooks, the reading was unreal. Yeah. Like literally, I thought I had like three books to read for that week, like for the whatever reading I had to do. I'm not joking, she had nine. So could you explain? Yeah, I'm gonna, we're gonna be geeks now, because I know you said you enjoyed it. So being a geek, how much like looking back you enjoyed that experience? But could you just give a flavor to any people at college? If you do want to go into law school, like the commitment behind the scenes will actually have to do. I love your thoughts on that from your experience.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, well, the law school is definitely not for everyone. Like I said, it really takes a specific type of personality, I guess, to be able to commit to such a thing. Um, the thing is here in Holland is only three years. I know in some countries it's, it's a bit longer. Um, so it was it was doable, I would say it was three years of really hard work. But yeah, basically I just decided, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do things right. Like I don't like to commit to something and then like, you know, not um, do it right. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm my personality type is like, I like control, I like order, I like to plan things out. So I was like the first, the first day, I was like all prepared with all my different folders and the different highlighters and everything. And that's just kind of how I, how I managed to go through law school. Like I was preparing for every single class. I was paying attention. I was recording. I was taking notes, written hand notes on my laptop. I was doing everything possible to really understand because... The thing is that like you can be good at memorizing and i am kind of but then when the exam comes they they ask things that are kind of outside of the scope so you need to really understand the material as well and that was very difficult for me to grasp in the beginning i was like okay i'll just like memorize the whole textbook and you know study weeks in advance but you need to really understand it which was difficult for me and i had a struggle with that a bit um but yeah then i just like i made summaries i tried to really immerse myself so much into every single subject i spoke to the teachers and um, you know, like the typical classmate that you're like, oh my god, why is she so prepared? Like um, that was me. But but yeah, no, I I that's why I kind of enjoyed it because I had it under control, I would say. I think a lot of my classmates they were like behind on classes and stuff, and then you just kind of get lost. And once you get lost, it's very hard to like recover from that. Um, but with preparation, discipline, and um, you know, just I guess um understanding what you're doing, and you will be fine.
0: <laughs> Quickly just now. In hindsight how has that supported you that skill of you said just then like so well remembering a textbook but when it's in like an actual case and understand the meaning how has that supported you in the should we say real world when it's real cases i love your thoughts on that
1: yeah yeah so much um actually i actually just did a post about that on, on my linkedin the other day that for me, law school, like there's most of the knowledge I don't even use anymore because I studied so many different subjects that nowadays, like I, because I specialize in sports law, they, didn't, they don't teach sports law in law school. So most of the stuff I'm doing now, they didn't even teach like the theory. But just in general, like the, the way you they, they teach you to think about certain things, so how to approach a problem, how to analyze a problem, how to find loopholes, all these things that the, like the creative thinking, I guess. Um, that's what law school really taught me. And especially now uh, when it comes to uh, my real life cases, everything happens very quick. So you really need to you know, look at a case and be like, your mind needs to directly go to like, okay, how can, we, how can we solve it? What is the issue? How can we solve this? Like You need to identify the issue, think of ways to solve the problem, propose the problem um, or the solution in, in, de- in easier words to your client. You need to also, also be able to communicate that to the client um, you know, there's different skills, and I think people sometimes underestimate um, the work of of lawyers. And I'm not saying that it's it's you know it's the most creative job in the world, but it definitely takes a certain skill set, I guess, to to do well as a, as a lawyer, especially in sports law.
0: I was going to follow up on the question of creativity. Like you have just mentioned it just then, but really, as a skill, being creative is important for clarity in your messaging. I know you just mentioned that, but just for the listener to understand this role. How has that supported you from a communication standpoint of saying a point in two sentences instead of eight where it's confusing for the client? Like just from a skill in that, how has that helped you as well?
1: Yeah, so much. I think for me, like also when it comes to languages, because I do uh, speak and I work in different languages. In the beginning, it was very difficult because I would I would work in a certain language and I would have to translate it but also I would have to adapt the, the way and the words that I was using you know because I, I can't just le- use all the legal terms I need to I need to be able to explain it to the client in kind of like uh, baby words I guess um, not baby words but like easier language you know and so that would definitely took uh, took some time for me in the beginning because I, I would send emails in the beginning I remember back in the in one of my first cases I would or even working at Barson UEFA I would sometimes communicate in like really difficult um, language. And they'll be like, okay, like, just keep it simple. Like it's the marketing department or like it's a football player or an agent. Like they just want to understand they don't need the whole, um, Oh, article 5.8 says this and this, they don't need all the background information. Like just tell them what's up. So then I was like, okay, but I didn't, I wanted to come across professional, I guess. Um, but I really learned how to, how to master that skill later on. And now I just, I think it's actually much more, um, enjoyable for clients to work with me because I just try to, you know, i talk to them on WhatsApp. It's just, Everything is just much easier, and I deal with, um, you know, with like, the other stakeholders with the the, the difficult legal mumbo jumbo. But um, but yeah.
0: <laughs> so just on so the mumbo jumbo, you're going to say like this is I want this to be like a case study talk than just like an interview style. So for example, tailoring your your communication to a courtroom will be totally different to tailoring your communication to a client. It may be the same information, but tailoring what you write or say.
1: Exactly. Is that what you're talking about
0: with the mumbo jumbo of the legal terms—is that what you mean?
1: Exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah. Like the the way that your message needs to come across, and the way that the other party is going to understand it. Like you need to adapt your um your de- your delivery basically to your audience, which is something that I think every lawyer has to figure out themselves. And. Um, for me, like even just reading, sometimes reading, uh, you know, these sports law, sports law articles or books or whatever. And even me, myself, I'm like, oh, my God, like why do you have to complicate things so much? Um, when I read stuff, it's like just, you know, like I just want to ha- read and like have an enjoyable reading, especially for a client. They need to understand, you know, they don't care if you're the most professional lawyer on the planet. and You have this perfectly written five uh, page document. Like I try to keep things short, simple and to the point um I think that's very important so again they're also that's also part of being a lawyer like your communication skills are also very important um which is something that I never really thought about before I guess
0: absolutely important your communication skills I bang on it on this show so much the listeners now I want to touch about culture now because I didn't realize you studied in Madrid Brazil like Holland as well like or Spain so really quickly like how is that Enhanced your experience because one thing I've learned from interviewing other lawyers that different countries have different legal systems there's a lot of collaborations in the legal world because you don't have all the answers but looking back from that time of studying particularly in Brazil and Spain like how has that supported you as a lawyer now
1: yeah oh so much i'm so so grateful for those experiences um so brazil i actually did my exchange um during law school in brazil so i was there for six or seven months studying international law at the university in rio um and that whole experience like was just mind-blowing to me it was like uh, the first time that i actually you know was away from from home for so long and being in brazil all by myself as a girl it was definitely very tough and studying law at the same time and it was all in Portuguese. Um, I already spoke some Spanish so I was like and I'm, I tend to be fine with languages so I was like oh I'll, I'll master Portuguese but one thing is speaking Portuguese and the other thing is studying in Portuguese. I could barely study in Spanish so for me to then study law in Portuguese like I don't even know how I did the assignments um, but yeah that really enriched my experience so much and just meeting people there speaking to different people there and and, and that's and I think we'll touch upon it later, but that's kind of also where I started realizing the power of, of networking. So I still have connections that I made back in the day from Brazil that nowadays, whenever I have some type of issue, I know I can reach out to them um, and they maybe know someone else or maybe they're the right person right away. And that that's really where I learned, like how understanding different cultures also, because nowadays, for example, when I work when I work with um, some Brazilian players, I, I relate to them in a much different way. And for them the fact that I do speak some Portuguese and that I do know more or less more about something about their culture that really gives them like this. Um, it, it makes the collaboration just so much easier, you know, I think. And that's, I think, something, something that I would recommend every every aspiring sports lawyer out there is because you're going to be working with such a different, um, these all these different, these different profiles of clients. It's so important to understand their culture and how they work and how they think and how they communicate, because sometimes especially Dutch people, we can be seen as, oh, you're rude or whatever. And then Brazilians maybe seem like they don't they don't care. They don't reply for eight hours or something. It's all very, um, you know, they're, they're very peculiar with their culture. So it's so important to really understand how cultures work, I think. And that helps me tremendously nowadays. And um, for me in Spain, the same. When I did my master's in legal practice in Spain, I barely spoke spoken Spanish. And then to study in Spanish, And, you know, I I had to sit the bar exam in Spanish was extremely tough, but again, it also helped me with my discipline. And I was like, okay, again, if I'm committing to this, I'm gonna have to do this. they are not gonna make an exception for me. Like I chose to do this, so I need to master this And I need to pass this exam. Um, They're not gonna say, oh, she's Dutch, she can do it in Dutch or in English, no. So um, yeah, that also definitely helped me. And nowadays the great thing about sports law is that it's mostly international law. So we don't really have to deal so much with the different laws of the different countries, but just understanding their cultures helps me a lot. Do you think understanding
0: these cultures establish trust as well, like as the overhead sort of umbrella that when you have that bit of mindfulness of different cultures, you're actually establishing trust with not just the countries, but also the people you work with. I love your thoughts on that.
1: So much, so much. That's actually the word I was looking for before. I think trust is the key word here. Um, Whenever I work with a client from, I mean, normally lawyers mostly work, I would say, with clients from their own country. So I would mostly work with Dutch Dutch players or Dutch agents just because of the language, because of the, you know, the way of collaboration. I know what they think, they know what I think, and it's just easier, but because I have lived in these different countries, whether it's Switzerland, um, Brazil, even places, because in Spain, it's one country, but the Catalans are very different from the people from Madrid, for example. So just understanding that, I think, and being able to talk a bit more, more about that really creates a more um, friendly atmosphere, I guess. And I do definitely think that it, it instills some kind of trust in them, like, okay, like, she's been here, she knows what it's like here she knows a bit more about the regulations or if she doesn't know she can even um collaborate with another lawyer um i definitely think that that helps a lot so definitely very important for trust yes
0: and with regards to making the decision going sports law because everybody thinks, oh because it's sport it's relating to football should we say say football law you know oh it's related to what goes on on the pitch which it does but people get carried away with the passion of football then pursuing a career in football uh like may I ask what inspired you to commit to the football industry of law because you said you work with some players but just for the listeners listening in it is like a requirement of what you bring to the table it's not oh because I'm passionate about my favorite football club I, I just want to highlight the obvious but I see you're nodding your head yeah. but I think it's really important if people want to commit to a career in this you know what you're doing
1: that's so important, um, and that's something that I always tell, or I try to carry carry that that message across whenever I speak to aspiring sports lawyers. And they will tell me like, "Oh, um, you know, I'm studying law, and I, I love like FC Barcelona, so I think I should be a sports lawyer and work for FC Barcelona." And I'm like, "Okay, wait, 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 like," and that's why I think the first step is always to actually make sure you're passionate about sports law, as such and not just about the sports because you can have two separate passions. and i always say oh combining my passion for sports and law but because i i, I really did a lot of research and i knew what it would until i knew what it would, the commitment that it would take from my side to actually be dealing with sports law not just because you have the, these passions, you can have a passion for sports and for law and you cannot enjoy being a sports lawyer that's totally possible because even if you and like you like, uh, you know, you like to play football or whatever. It doesn't mean that you like to work. Also, it's a very peculiar environment. Like we were saying before, um, you know, everything is very fast paced and you need to really be able to adapt quickly and need to deal with certain types of people like um, sports agents. I mean, they have this, this bad rep sometimes and not obviously not all. All of them are that way, but some of them are more difficult to deal with. So you need to be a certain, um, you have have a certain personality type and a certain commitment to it. And that's why it's so, I think it's so important to really do your research before committing to such a career, because it is quite difficult to get into. And that's why I think it's so important that people have these tools. And that's why also on my own social media and stuff, I try to share as many tips as possible and try to really give some insights into what a sports lawyer actually does, because it's not... You know, you're not going to be working in the stadium. You're not going to be working always with the best footballers Or People will tell me, oh, my God, are you working on Messi's contract then? And I'm like, no, I wish. Like, it's not, you know, it doesn't work like that. Like, sometimes I'm dealing with, like, a second division player or whatever. You need to really be passionate about it um, because it's not just the the glamorous side of it all um which i think people confuse sometimes they think oh if you're if you're a sports agent or sports lawyer always dealing with these glamorous situations and you're dealing with the top of the top not always um so yeah i I think people really need to do their research before committing to it and if they commit to it then then good
0: (laughs) do you think purpose is is a better mindset than passion with regards to pursuing a career in international sports law or in football law like I love your thoughts on that because I, I'm always a believer like having a, a career purpose is better than a career passion I'd love your thoughts on that
1: yeah I, I love that I've actually never I've I've actually never even thought about that but now that you're mentioning it I actually love that I think purpose is much more important and that's why for me um the fact that I actually did enjoy being in law school and I know that the law also fits my personality. I guess that kind of helps me, but also just being versatile. I guess, like, because I actually worked for Barcelona UEFA, I work in strategy and innovation there. Um, I did some of the legal stuff as well, but my big part of my of the of the job was just was not focused on law. So, for me, having the purpose, like, I really wanted to work in a sports environment, use my skills. Um, but I have more skills. I don't just have. I not only have legal skills. I also have management skills. So for me, that was kind of my purpose. Um. With, and now my, part of my, my purpose, like your purpose can also shift a bit. Now I've actually, I actually discovered that I really enjoy helping other people. I, help, I enjoy helping other aspiring sports lawyers or people that just want to work in the sports industry.
0: I think you're absolutely spot on, but with regards to purpose, you've just said earlier that it can change. I think this is really important because mine without a doubt has changed from seven years ago starting the show. May I ask sort of the first steps you sort of done to adjust your purpose into where you are now. Because I think this is important from somebody who's studying to somebody who's a graduate and somebody who is like an, an executive and then hopefully one day we'll be leaders in this industry. You never know. But you know what I mean? But that shifts our purpose. So I would love your thoughts of how you go go about it in your organizational manner. Because I can tell in this podcast everything's about being strategic. yeah so, so from an organizational standpoint, <laughs> could you share some tips of what you do yeah. outside of things on purpose?
1: Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, it is something that has been rather stressful, I guess, to me somehow, because I couldn't really control it. And like I said, I am a bit of a control freak. So um, I obviously started out, started out in law school. And I was like, oh, I'm not sure what my purpose is here. Then I was a bit like, okay, I'll just see what comes across. I, I, I started traveling and that I think really shaped me a bit. Um, and that's when I realized, okay, I really want to do something that I'm passionate about. But At the same time, passion might not be enough to have a, make a successful career out of that so um that sounds like okay maybe i can combine those but if i do i need to make sure that i'm going to like it so do i like it I did a lot of research and for then my purpose was um working in the sports industry and using my legal skills so i actually ended up doing this master's in sports management and legal skills which was perfect for me because i could explore the management side at the same time the legal skills were also necessary so that kind of opened, I would say, my my horizon, which was great. And I think a lot of students, the law students that approach me, for example, they're like, okay, I must stick to law now because I studied law. I went to law school. Like, it's been so many years. I must stick to this now. But it's always good to explore different options, I think. So during that master's, I was like, okay, wait, actually, there's so many other things I would also enjoy doing. Why do I just have to stick to law? And especially with law, I mean... There's lawyers that are now entrepreneurs or hairdressers or whatever like it's just kind of a foundation and teaches you a specific way of thinking you don't necessarily have to become an in-house counsel or whatever so i think for me um that's kind of where i was like okay i opened my eyes and i started working for strategy and innovation and also there um because we were working with so many different startups um that also kind of helped me see like okay actually you know all these all these all these startups—they just had this small idea, and now they're working or pitching their idea to clubs like FC Barcelona or or to organizations just like you, as UEFA. And I was like, you should just kind of go with whatever you feel like at the moment. I think like it kind of helped me open my my mind even more and to the idea of idea of adaptability and that things change and you have to innovate yourself as well. So that's kind of kind of where I was like, okay, so I I can just switch between different. Career paths, you know, it's not that rigid as I thought it was in the beginning. Like, okay, if you're going to be a lawyer, you can only be a lawyer. You have to be this, or if you're going to be a management, like, you kind of figure it out along the way. And that, like I said, was a bit stressful for me in the beginning as a bit of a control freak. That I was like, okay, but like, what? Where is my end goal? I don't. And and nowadays, my 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 perspective has changed again. I don't know necessarily where my end goal is. I know what my purpose is and what I want to do, but that switches with age, with with time, with experience. I think so. So, yeah, I think people need to understand that they, you know, they cannot just be so focused on, okay, this is my, my, what I studied and this is what I have to become. Like everything changes and also with, with technology and with time, like now, for example, that I'm, I'm offering this masterclass on how to become a sports lawyer. That's also now because digital products are much more, um, are available online now. And that's something that came with technology and, with, and with, with time. And that's something that, you know, maybe some 10 years ago, I could have never imagined. And maybe in 10 years, something else comes across my path. So just being, a, you know, adapting, I guess, to the times and to how you feel and to what your purpose is in the moment is also very important. And that's something that I had to learn along the way.
0: I've got this big smile on my face because I've experienced what you're saying and you're spot on. I think a key thing as well, I love the word you said, adaptability, but also perspective of where you are and where you want to go is vital. And I feel like we're at a great stage with regards to this podcast topic now, like in your opinion, then what are your do's and don'ts with regards to pursuing a career as a sports lawyer?
1: So I would say the don't is don't feel like you're inferior like don't be like this victim of the imposter syndrome that I think a lot of people talk about and which I very much relate to, especially maybe as a girl, um, you know, aspiring to become a sports lawyer at some point, I was like, okay, am I really gonna do this? Like it, it's it's mostly a, a male dominated industry, not, not so it's really changing now, but like that's kind of the perspective from the outside, right? Um, and, and just thinking like also opening my own law firm, I was like, oh my God, like I'm, I was 27 at the time, I'm 28 now, like, how can I actually open a law firm? Like, isn't that something that people do when they're like 50 or 60 and they have like 20, 30 years of experience, you know? So I always kind of felt like, oh my God, like you have to be like the best of the best to be able to work as a sports lawyer or to get clients or whatever. And um, I think a lot of people suffer from that, um, that feeling, which is very normal, but especially in law, like it, they make it look so difficult. And so, um, you know, like, oh, only when you're, when you have gray hair, basically, that's when you can kind of, um, work at a certain level, and that's not true. Like you can, especially nowadays, you can really crave and create your own path and roadmap. I would say so. Definitely, do not feel like it's it's too difficult of a journey, or and for the sports industry in general. Like, don't let that stop you from getting there. But then again, then now I'm moving to my my do. I would say, like, just start and just go for it, like commit to it and just go for it and really immerse yourself in it and like live and, and breathe it and do everything you can w- within your scope um, to learn more about uh, what it is that you want to do. And once you have found that, to make that happen. And when I say that, like, you know, it's like Nike, like, oh, just do it. But it's so, so true. And I find myself sometimes like brainstorming about ideas or whatever. And then I'm like, okay, but like, I'm, I'm overanalyzing it. And, you know, then it's just going to stay less like, than I, it's just going to be something or a dream it's just going to be something i really want to do but i've never done it because i never tried it so just try it reach out to people acquire as much knowledge and experience as possible and just go for it and um and don't let that fear of the imposter syndrome or feeling inferior stop you from just going for it
0: okay i'm going to dig deep now because i think i've got a great question here just with regards to your decision of starting your own law firm really quickly for the listener like how important was it to and it maybe state of the obvious but getting that experience at UEFA getting that experience at Barcelona for you to make that decision because I don't want to come across that you graduate from law and then you do a you set up your own firm I assume that experience was vital for the decision of where you are today
1: yeah so much no obviously no you can't just well, I mean maybe maybe you can I'm not going to say you can but it will be very difficult um no it helped me tremendously um like I said in the beginning, like, I really think lawyers should have a versatile skill set. And that's something that I, those skills that I really acquired during my time at FC Barcelona and UEFA. And one of the most important ones, I think, is just understanding, like, the ecosystem of the football industry, which is something that law school couldn't give me, you know. Um, and to work as a sports lawyer, you really need to understand how, what the environment looks like, who the different stakeholders are. For me, just knowing, like, what the, the structure and organizational chart kind of of a club and a federation looks like helps me tremendously um understanding their priorities their missions and all of that and because i work in strategy innovation like i think that gave me such great understanding and an in-depth understanding also of the governance structures of these clubs and these federations um that that is actually what made me feel comfortable to open my own law firm and also obviously the connections that i made there and and also in some way the credibility i guess to, to be honest like it made me feel like even though i was feeling um that I was suffering a bit from this imposter syndrome. I was like, no, like I've worked at these places like that, that does make me feel, um, I must have some kind of skill then, you know, like I must I must be able to provide some value. So that also gave me some confidence, I guess, that I know what I was talking about, because I think when you just come fresh out of law school, like obviously you have zero experience and um, you don't feel so comfortable, but but yeah, no, that definitely really changed my mind. And like I said, again, working with those startups, uh, um, made me really see that okay you can just start your own project and go for it kind of like you're doing with the podcast like and i that's why i i, I love speaking to you like you know you just have your own project and you just work for yourself and that you're super passionate about and kind of like you created your own job you know and that's kind of what i wanted to do i just wanted to kind of create my own path um because that also makes it easier to shift into different things so i kind of still have this entrepreneurial spirit i guess um and yeah that eventually resulted in the creation of Sensato sports law my law practice <laughs>
0: That is awesome. By the way, it's scary. I'm not going to lie, Going creating your own path. But I hope for the listeners understanding, it's the decisions you make, the choices you make, the commitment you make. But really quickly, because I can hear or I'm learning your entrepreneurial sort of skills coming through. What did you learn from that working with those startups? Because I think those are skills you I really be honest, you cannot learn in a classroom, you learn in the moment. So reflecting from that startups you're working with, like reflecting how's that support you to where you are with your firm and your passions. Like you said, you want to we'll talk about your masterclass very shortly, but I want to talk about your entrepreneurial side of yourself. Like did you have these skills or did they grow over time?
1: Yeah. So um, I had a few of those skills, I guess, because my, my my dad is an entrepreneur. So I kind of grew up in this household where like my dad was always telling me like, you should be your own boss. You should have your own company. Like, why not? Why work for someone else? And my mom is more on the traditional side. Like, you know, you just got a fixed salary and you'll be fine. Like, just don't, don't look for risk. So I was kind of like this in between this risk adverse mentality and into like, okay, but you know, if you want to go big, like, you know, you have to work for yourself. So um, I kind of had that imprinted in me it didn't really come out, especially going into a very uh, risk adverse, um, passage as law. I was like, okay, you know, how am I going to, how am I going to get out of this? So working with those startups, like it kind of really sparked that interest again in me where I was like, okay, creating your, your own product or your own service and, and then trying to get internal and external buy-in for that and, and pitching your idea and, and convincing others that, you know, they should be working with you. It just triggers like all these different, um, these are all these different skill sets I think. And I really enjoy, like we said before, working more creatively. So for me, that came in super handy because I was like, okay, working as a, as a lawyer now in my own practice, I am the marketing team. I am uh, the one that brings in the clients. I am the one that looks for the clients. I am doing you know, social media management. Um, I am the one that needs to go and, and manage the office um, admin and all of that. So I have so many different roles now. And I really enjoy that. And I think I enjoy that much more. That makes, I think that's what also makes law enjoyable for me. The fact that I do so many different things on the side, because I do under, I do think that maybe if you only focus on law and you're just reading documents, like the typical boring image, I don't have that now because I do so many different things on the side. So, um, I think that's kind of really what sparked, um, this interest in me of like, okay, I can still be doing what I'm doing, but combine it with entrepreneurship and, Um, and do it on the side and like there's and I also think that you don't have to be focused only on one thing like I love um, real estate for example so I'm actually I do some I do some real estate projects on the side and again that's something that I I can do because I manage my own time now so um, I'm not saying that I work less than a nine-to-five more probably even but I can manage my own time so um, you know I just love doing different things and I think that's kind of um, yeah working with these startups strengthen that feeling a bit
0: with well, also time management, I want to give a good example, like why it's important to be mindful of when working with people in the sports industry. I want to give this example because we said this before air. We were meant to have the podcast yesterday, but Jesse said, Ed, can we rearrange it? Got some work that just came today with the regards. So I won't go do that, but like transfers. And I was like, look, no worries, that's cool. We'll do it tomorrow at another time. Like I want people to learn, particularly if they have no experience, like working in this industry's fast paced when you receive work to then do a project and you know cancelling is not a bad thing with people as long as you're just quick with your communication and effectively I just love your thoughts on that because yeah. you apologise massive I was like it's cool <laughs> I'm used to it so you know, in, a, in a, yeah. hopefully people don't like put me in rejection but I think it's just important because it's not talked about and you know we are all busy uh, in our own way it's just how we communicate that that's the important part so love your thoughts on that and from a lawyer perspective I think it's important as well Um, yeah
1: so much yeah like what I said before time management that's all relative and especially when it comes to the transfer window um, such as now like it gets way harder to manage your own time because there are certain things that pop up and you need to deal with them Um, but again like I can be working on it during the night um, and that's something that that's what I meant with time management but yeah definitely I think this this environment is so fast-paced and it's so important that you that you are aware of that. And that's why I think for me, having worked at these different organizations and seeing how, for example, I was working at UEFA when COVID hit, um, seeing how such a big organization had to adapt and change all their plans within like the course of a few days, basically. They had to like postpone the Euro Cup and all of that. Like all these big decisions had to be made right in the moment, um, which for me as a, as a such an organize, organized person and stuff is, you know, I was like, oh well, my God, like how are we just gonna do that? Like we can't and this and that. And, you know um that's kind of what it takes like working in sports it really challenges i think this um this creative thinker and that you just need to adapt and you need to be there you need to show up and you need to go with the flow and you need to adapt to other people's timings and if someone calls me on a Sunday, like i work weekends as well for me weekend is not it's not the day off like i work weekends because sometimes uh you know a, a case has to be handled on the weekend on a Sunday, and, that's just something that I think um, is a bit challenging at the beginning, the, the work life balance, but it's something that, that comes with the job. And um, yeah, for me, like I said, it's been a bit of a struggle because I am such a control freak. So for, I was like, oh my God, like I have to cancel this podcast. Like, even if it's just like an informal kind of thing, you know, I was like, oh my God, like I feel so bad because I, I don't like wasting people's time and I don't like when they waste my time either. So um, maybe that's also because I'm Dutch and we're a bit more like uh, strict with that, but you were like, Oh no, it's cool. And then I was like, Oh, okay. Because he's, he's, you know, he's in the industry. So he knows that it's a very fast pace and things change quickly. Um, But yeah, that's definitely something that is very, I would say, specific to, to the sports industry.
0: I think it's important. And also I want to talk on this side, we haven't talked about this yet, but how important has your personal brand been with regards to being a sports lawyer? Like, I think this isn't talked about like, I know it's not personal brand doesn't mean trying to be famous, but building credibility in any area of the sports industry is important. But as sport industry professionals, we don't think about our importance of our personal brand. So looking back, how's that supported you? You know, like, for example, Instagram, you've got 10,000 people. That's a lot of people who you're educating, influencing. You've had to build that brand over time. And I assume that supported you looking back now.
1: Yeah so much um, and to be honest this is something that I actually kind of started doing recently like I would say a year ago when I started my own my own um, law practice because before that I wasn't really as um, well also because I didn't think I was going to work for myself so I was like okay I have a job like you know I don't really need to brand myself or have like a personal brand but then when I started my own law firm I was like wait but why would people hire me if they don't know me or if they don't know my brand like then even though I have worked for these companies like there, people are not going to know that if I just, you know, if I don't promote myself. So that's kind of also when I first started using social media. Like, I haven't had, I didn't have um, Instagram until last year. Um, and again, like I said in the beginning, once I commit to something, I am quite serious about it. And like, okay, let's go and try this and let's do this right. So when I committed to that, I was like, okay, I'm just going to try and, and really use social media and all these different tools to my benefit. And that's when I really started, especially LinkedIn for me is a great way to market myself and my services and to connect with other people. So I really, really like LinkedIn. I would say even more than Instagram. Um, Instagram is great as well, because there's a lot of, I mean, everyone's on Instagram, obviously, and it. It's again, it's a bit more of a creative tool. So I do also enjoy Instagram, but LinkedIn is just a bit more professional. And like, you can really share like opinions or written articles, which for lawyers is important on there. Um, And you can find everyone on there. And it's 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 purely kind of targeted at um, at at its professional use more than Instagram. So, but yeah, that's definitely something I would I would recommend everyone to really use use social media in your benefit and to be on top of it and to it's important what you, it's very important what you put out there. Like I try not to put too much of my social life on there because I do want to come, especially as a lawyer, do want to come across professionally. But at the same time, I also want to be more relatable, like we were saying before. Also when it comes to the cultures and building trust, people also kind of need to see a little bit of like, okay, is this like a robot lawyer? Is it like a normal person, you know? like So it's like finding that balance. Um, but it's something that I'm learning again along the way. And again, my, my tip would be just do it and just, Try really, um, you know, empowering yourself and marketing yourself online. I think that's going to be a huge benefit for you in the long term, because once you have an audience, you can kind of not sell them anything, but you can. Um, reflect on what they need you can identify demands like I actually for example my my master class I, I never thought about creating a master class in sports law until I saw that it was a demand for it and I saw that it was a demand for it because I marketed myself as a sports lawyer and people were starting to reach out and asking me hey how can I do what you're doing so, you know, everything leads to, leads to a different result. And um, yeah, I think that's only it can only work in your benefit.
0: Being a problem solver, that's what it's all about. That's part of like, I've learned the key <laughs> work in this yeah. industry. But just from a LinkedIn perspective, because this is so important, like what one tip would you give? And I'd like to give you one of mine, which I've been doing a lot more. I've been commenting on other people's like cool articles or congratulations. It's amazing how that triggers a conversation, like in their DMs. Like, and I'm like, why wasn't I doing this? you know, a bit more with that discipline you said earlier. So that's my one tip, just from what I've learned last, I've been sort of committed the last three months and doing it every day. But what one tip have you found been useful for you on LinkedIn with regards to, you know, you building your brand?
1: Um, I love your tip, by the way, commenting. I think that's great. Um, I think for me, what has really helped me, and I'm I'm not as consistent with it as I should be, but I guess really engaging with my connections because I mean one thing is just having like a lot of connections but those connections don't really mean anything if you don't know who they are how you could help them how they how you how they can help you like if you don't engage with them and at some point I don't know how many connections I have now but a bunch and I just I didn't know like 90% of them you know like they're just on there and you never really engage with them so what I started doing recently a couple months back um, again I need to be more consistent but I was just every new connection, every person that added me, I should get like this software that automizes these messages for you, but I I didn't have it yet. Um, Like I just typed out these messages, like uh, I had like a little template, one for like uh, people in the sports industry, one for sports lawyers, one for students, templates where I was like, hey, my name is Jesse, I'm I'm doing this and this and this, I'd love to you know, get to know a bit more about you, how we can potentially be of help to each other and to just kind of make it my proposition. I made that actually my proposition last year and I did it again this year to really introduce myself. And, and that's how you kind of start conversations. And I have so much positive feedback from people saying like, oh my God, like I love that you actually reach out. Like no one really does that. Um, and actually I got a couple of clients through that already. Um, so yeah, I definitely think engaging, whether it's through commenting or through just directly messaging messaging them or uh, cold messaging is very important. And um, yeah, I would definitely definitely encourage people to do that
0: absolutely start the conversation is what I say to students particularly (laughs) like networking it's so important like conversations lead to opportunities wow I would like to talk about now your you know the mentoring side your educational program a little bit more because I know that's sort of like another scope of a passion so could you just share to listeners a little snapshot of your master class and who's it for and, and what's the passion behind it
1: yeah of course um so as i mentioned before the masterclass kind of came came about very organically just because i got so many people messaging me especially on linkedin students approaching me saying like hey um i saw you study this and this I see you're a sports lawyer now i really want to get into sports law but i don't know how to get into the field and it's not only even sports lawyers actually people for the sports industry in ge- general i think because it's it's perceived as a bit of a closed industry and it is it's quite competitive it's quite hard to get into um, people are like, how do I, you know, get into that industry? How do I get my foot in the door? So I got so many messages, people asking me for advice, and I, in the beginning, I would like reply to each one of them like individually. I would try to con- with, like uh, have a conversation with them, but it just, you know, at some point, I, I like, time is time is money, and time is valuable, and I only have so much time in the day, especially because I have so many different things going on. I didn't have that much time, so I was like, okay, I do want to help all these people, but I don't you know, I don't have the time to sit down with them and each one of them individually. So I just kind of wanted to create like a product that I could create once and I could spread it um, and uh, and share that with as many people as possible. So that's when I was like, okay, what what is something that I would have really liked to have back in the day? That's one, first of all, mentorship. I would have loved to have a mentor that I could just ask questions to someone that has been in the field, that is doing what I wanna be doing and ask them like, what do you actually do in a day? Because I had before becoming or working as a sports lawyer, I had no idea what a sports lawyer did. So just asking those more like what you might feel like as dumb questions or whatever, and just having like a trust person you can ask those, those questions to because no questions are dumb, obviously. And it's, it's only normal because you can't ask your, your father, your mother probably like, oh, like, you know, I wanna become a sports lawyer. I wanna become a sports agent or whatever. How do I do that? they're not gonna have the answer. It's not that much of an, um, you know, it's not like becoming an accountant or a doctor. There's no specific path. So having a mentor and someone that can kind of give their personalized advice and share some tips and tricks with me would have been really valuable for me. So I wanna be that person now to other people. Um, So I do offer one-on-one mentoring to students. And then besides that, like I said, I wanted to have just one product that I could kind of share with everyone where I I not only focus on the theoretical knowledge. So that's how this masterclass came about. It's, um, it basically consists of three different pillars. The first one is knowledge where I share like a a brief overview, I would say of all the most relevant regulations and laws, um, in sports law. The second pillar is experience. And the third one is networking. I really wanted to include those. Why? Because I felt like there's a lot of programs out there right now that, you know, um, sports law pro- programs, whether it's master's pro- masters degrees at LMS, and there's books and there's everything. But one thing is being an expert in the field and having all the knowledge in the world. And the other thing is how do you actually put that into practice? How do you actually go from being an expert to working in that field? And that's, I think, the most, most important and the most difficult um, step to take. So that's where and that's why I really wanted to have to make sure that this masterclass had a more of a practical focus where I share all my tips and tricks and, and everything I have learned throughout the years working in the industry with students on how to actually get that experience. How do you get your first experience as a sports lawyer? Like, does it have to be at a sports law firm? Could it be just working for a sports team and having that, is that a sufficient experience? Like how do you use, how do you use certain skills that maybe you worked in a criminal law? Can you still use those skills? All these different things that I kind of wanted to address, so um, I discuss all of that in the experience model, and then the networking. We've already mentioned before, like the importance of networking is something that I definitely underestimated myself. I would say a couple of years ago, um, my dad would always say, like, "Oh, like networking is so important, Jesse, because he's an entrepreneur. Networking is all about net- your network is your net worth, and all of that." And I was like, "Oh, that's that's not true. Like, you know, I'll, I'll need when I whenever I need people, I'll find them or whatever." And it's not like that like it's so important to have a network and not just to know people but to engage with people and to make sure that um they know you and you know them and you can both offer value and exchange value and i think that's so important and that's something that i think a lot of people struggle with or they underestimate which is normal so i just share all my best um my my own advice and everything that i apply i would say and that got me to where i am today and that got me to work for those institutions like bars and uefa how i got there um, so yeah the course is very very it's very much focused on the practical side beside also discussing the theor- theoretical knowledge um, it's a self-paced course you can start at any point it's really like an educational resource I say that it's like a mini mini course or mini um, class and it's also great for people so it's the first by hiring sports lawyers of course in the first place but it's also great for people that might have an interest in sports law but they don't want to commit yet to a one year full program because that's a lot of money a lot of time that you're going to invest Um, so I would say it's complementary to that either even if you're doing an LLM you're not going to be focusing on the practical aspect so that's again where the course comes in great or if you're you just have an interest in sports and in law and you want to figure out if it's really your passion and also I also discussed like the day in the life of a sports lawyer what does a sports lawyer actually do Um, so that's kind of what I what I designed and from what I'm seeing I'm getting really positive feedback so I'm very happy that it's it's, it's helpful for people um, and yeah it's, it's kind of like you like just sharing knowledge I guess you know like you you do this podcast also with the purpose of like sharing your knowledge and the neural knowledge of others and creating educational resources in a non-traditional way I guess with other students um, because you felt there was a need for it and, and that's kind of the same with the course like I felt there was a need for it I saw the need for it um, and hopefully this is part of the solution <laughs>
0: Absolutely. and I think the key thing is having a growth mindset. Like there's different options now. Let's be really honest. Like you can go the traditional route, which I still believe in. I've got a degree and I'm so proud of it, but it is having the options of which choices you want to make. And that's for the listener, by the way, like, I hope you're enjoying this conversation that there's a key theme here that learning is the key to like whatever area you want to work in. But Jesse, with your enthusiasm of like organization, networking, commitment, I love that bit at the beginning is vital too. So it's sort of like, sort of those internal traits and external traits, meaning like getting the knowledge from those experts, man, I've enjoyed this conversation. Hope the listeners too. Out of interest, what have you enjoyed the most from your sports career journey looking back right now?
1: I would say, I, I wish I could say, like, oh, now I have my own firm, but honestly, I think it was working for Barça and UEFA back in the day, just because of the the whole experience, you know, like, I think everyone that, even if your purpose is working in the industry, passion is also still important, and I was super passionate about it, so for me, working at FC Barcelona, and, like, even just, I remember the first day, like, I, um, I was by myself in the stadium, like there was no one in the stadium and I was having like, I had a phone call and I was just walking around the stadium because at the time we we worked from there. And I was like, oh my God, like, this is so freaking cool. Like I'm actually in the, in the come now, right now. Like there's no one here and I'm just like working here. Like I would take so many selfies and just that fan experience, I guess, um, or parking my car, like right next to the players cars and I'm walking around like the training, uh, the training grounds and stuff. Like that was just so cool. and then, of course, after that, working at UAE fan, like being part of like the, the Champions League draw and all of that, like all those little, really passionate fan um, experiences for me is something that I think um, was, you know, the reason why I got into this in the first place. And so that's definitely, I think, my number one like those memories. Um, and then the second thing I think now having the freedom to kind of design my own life. Um, thanks to the fact that I did acquire all those experience in the past and that I can now do what I want to do, manage my own time for most of the, most of the parts um, and still work on something I am so passionate about with a, kind of a, a much clearer focus and, and perspective than I had before. I think that's, uh, that's really enjoyable right now as well. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> Just on the spot, is that the magic of working in this industry, those memories we create?
1: I think so. I think so, because I mean, not all of it is that's like, that's the fun part, obviously. And then there's a lot of other things that are not as fun. Like we said, like the fast-paced environment and it can be very stressful sometimes. And also I think for a lot of people like the job insecurity, you know, like the fact that they do um, it is very hard to have like a stable job. I would say for so many years in one company, people do switch companies very often, maybe more so within the sports industry than in other industries um so that that type of unpredictability and uncertainty or for example when when a pandemic hits like you know if you're working for the world cup or the euro cup you're basically laid off and not that's not just in sports of course but these things impact like there's a lot of external things that impact um your stability in in this industry and so i definitely think that there's a lot of things that can be seen as stressful but then everything is worth it when you're standing in a stadium and you're like oh my god like I'm working here or I interviewed that person or I've spoken to that or even now like seeing like uh, the players and and the doctors for example I used to work a lot with the team doctors of FC Barcelona like um Back in the day, and whenever I see them on the field, I'm like, oh my god! Like, yeah, like I work with them, like one on one, like he's so cool and this and that. Like, just those memories, you know. And those, um, that's kind of what what everyone wants. I guess working in the industry and that's like where the adrenaline comes from and where the fashion comes from. So, so yeah, I definitely think that's what makes it so beautiful.
0: Absolutely. Again, I hope people enjoying this and learning from you as well. That's far more important. And I feel like we're at a great stage of the interview where I'd like to finish with an inspirational question. Now, you've given bags of guidance, but I want to funnel it down now to three qualities to be a sports lawyer. What would those three core qualities be so the listener can put them into practice straight after they've listened to this episode?
1: Okay, well, you put it easy for me because you're asking me for three. Like I said, my course has three. Um, pillars, it's really knowledge, experience, and network. So for knowledge, I would say acquire as much knowledge as possible, like immerse yourself into the subject, try to um, follow online courses, do master's degrees, because I also definitely still believe in the, in the power of traditional education. Like I do think having a degree is very important. Um, and I think like no mini course or no experience can fully replace that. So definitely acquire as much knowledge as possible. Try to look up online articles, or for example, the other day on my LinkedIn or on my Instagram, I posted this tip, like people that are interested in sports law, all the the FIFA decisions are actually published on the FIFA website. So if you really wanna know what the core core of sports law is, you can just literally read all those FIFA decisions of the FIFA DRC, the dispute resolution chamber, on the website, um, because they're all published there. So that's something that I think is very important. So knowledge um experience acquire as much experience as possible, and not just in your dream role but even if you're working as a volunteer at your local sports team like you work your way up, you meet people like it's it's so important to understand the the industry and the um, and everything that comes with it you know so acquire any type of industry um experience i think is very vital in the sports sector and 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 the fact that for example i worked in in strategy and innovation and now I have my own law practice like any experience is better than no experience. Um, so definitely, people will think even if it's as a volunteer, just start. Even if you're maybe you're passionate about football and there's a there's a volunteer position to 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 work for the for a tennis tournament, just do it. Like you know, getting that experience is very important um, because then you never know what comes up next. Maybe you meet someone there and then they offer you another position there. It's it's quite a small circle in the end of the day and the last one obviously networking i think connecting with peers with other students with mentors um using your linkedin accordingly i think that's so important um and always reaching out to people like i thank god i've never been too shy to like ask questions but i remember back in the day like sometimes now even people that i work with like other peers when i go back to our chat history on linkedin uh, from like years ago i, I read them like hey i'm jesse i'm studying sports law i just wanted to know like what does a sports lawyer do in their day-to-day life and this and that i'm like oh my god like that's so embarrassing now that i wrote that and now i'm like working with those people because they're my like peers but that's how i started and i don't feel stupid for it actually i'm actually happy that i did that because that's what made me get to where i am today the fact that i got into sports law is because well not all of them responded but the ones that responded gave me like an understanding of what i would be doing and So I definitely think um, creating that network from as soon as you can, and even if it's local, even if you live in a small village somewhere, try to establish your network there and grow it. And with LinkedIn, honestly, there's no borders now. You can reach out to anyone um, and create an international network and do like virtual coffees or meet up with them whenever you're in the same city. I think that's so important i try to find it enjoyable because if you're just doing it for the sake of getting something out of it, it's going to be very tough. Like try to actually think like, oh my god, it's interesting to exchange thoughts with this person. And because I am interested in like cultures and languages, um, I do find joy in that organically. But but yeah, I would say those are my three top tips: so knowledge, experience, and network.
0: I'm going to say four because you said enjoyment at the end, but really, yeah quick, I want to add: I bet you when you started reaching out to those people, the biggest lesson you learned is that fear of not you know not reaching out you know a lot of people getting so nervous so if you could just go past that barrier it opens up doors so look what great four tips and out of interest jesse how can people interact with you online
1: yeah um so i have my own website which is it is my name, um, you can They can reach out to me through there. And then I have my social media accounts. So I have Instagram and LinkedIn. It's again, it's my full name. Do not hesitate to send me a message on there. I actually love connecting with other people. So you can message me on there um, or you can check out what I, whatever I do on my website. And I'm waiting to hear from you.
0: Awesome. To all the listeners listening in, all those links will be on my website with regards to this podcast. Jesse, it's been a joy chatting with you today. Thank you very much.
1: Likewise. Thanks so much for having me on. It was really fun. Um, yeah, I look forward to, to speaking to you guys. Thank you so much.
0: What a fantastic podcast chat with Jesse. And we covered so much in that conversation with regards to how to pursue a career in the sports industry and in particular with regards to sports law. But the biggest takeaway that I learned the most from Jesse was her self-control in what she wants to do like without a doubt it was just this theme behind the scenes with all the examples she shared all the interests she had with law at the beginning as a student and how she applied it into sports law and then with regards to setting up her own legal practice it all came down to self-control and I think that's really important because it means we're taking responsibility in our own actions but without a doubt if you have that desire to pursue a career in sports law. I hope you've got a better understanding of the how. But most importantly, it's all about having that pure purpose in working in law with the application of sport and not getting carried away with the passion of sport with regards to what you want to do. I think that's really important. Like I really enjoyed the bit when she explained as a lawyer It's so glamorous at times when we hear about the big deals that big footballers go through. And then she said, well, sometimes I have to work with like a League Two player and, you know, you just got to work with the clients and support their needs, whatever level in football industry. So I hope that just gave you a little snapshot that. You can work in all tiers of the sports industry or the football industry, and you're just solving problems for your clients. And without a doubt, from a sports career development standpoint, I hope you apply those three qualities right at the end with regards to having that knowledge and what you want to do, have, building that experience and most importantly, building that network. So really put those three qualities into practice now and make it happen now as always at the end of each podcast episode i'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker jesse said be relatable as a sports lawyer that is how you create and build trust in the sports industry with your clients and the people you work with too